0: A very warm welcome to our Pentecost worship this morning and a very special welcome to Chelsea, uh, a friend of George and Lena, who is joining us in the hotel this morning. It is lovely to see you and lovely to see so many people who are wearing gold or red or have gold flowers or red flowers and, and I want to highlight in particular Janet and Roger who appear to have gone to the trouble of repainting their walls in the appropriate Pentecost colour, and that's way beyond the call of duty. So congratulations to both of you. Now, our service this morning will be led by our minister, Katrina, but as is fitting on Pentecost Sunday, we will hear a whole range of languages and voices, including Elaine and Graham, Alistair, Elizabeth, Elham, Lena, George, Adi and Moji, Petri, Will, Sylvia, Jenny, Graham L, Dr. Beth, and Brian. Plus a host of languages including, are you ready for this? English, Scots, Welsh, Farsi, Lithuanian, Hungarian, Yoruba, Finnish, Swahili, Spanish, Norwegian, French, wow. And they all belong to us. They're all part of our church family. Our musician this morning is Paul, and that's just another language. And in just a moment, Freya and Sarah will be lighting our candle. Our service this morning will include communion. So if like me, you're joining via Zoom, please remember to have something ready at that point in the service to eat and drink while folk in the hotel are served uh, bread and wine. Then at 7pm this evening, Robin Green will lead our evening reflection and that service will be on Zoom only. And then just a a couple of pieces of family news. Marit asks for our continued prayers for her parents who were involved in a serious motorcycle accident in Germany last week. Her mum has regained some feeling in her foot and surgeons are hopeful that they may be able to save it. Please pray for Marit's whole family as her mum's life-changing injuries affect all of them. And then just a reminder that if you hope to attend the funeral of our old friend, the Reverend Dr. Derek Murray, at 2.30 tomorrow afternoon, either in person or online, just drop me an email today and I'll send you either a map and directions to Baldara Crematorium or the link to the live stream of the funeral. It's time now for Freya and Sarah to light our candle.
1: As we gather for worship, let us join together to become the body of Christ. Christ is the light that lights our way. May we glimpse Christ's light this day.
2: Come together to God in prayer. God of freedom, who leads your people from captivity to liberty, we praise and worship you. With the ancients, we join on this 50th day since Passover to worship you with joy and delight. God of truth, who speaks in story and song, we praise and worship you. With those who went before us, we delight in the gift of your truths revealed in scripture. God of new life, who stirs us from complacency to questioning, we praise and worship you. Like those you surprised on the first Pentecost, ordinary people of many nationalities gathered in one place on one special day. God of all life, who has given us the gift of words and language, we praise and worship you. May the words we use and the thoughts we think be kind, gentle, wise, and true. Both here and now, as we intentionally worship, and in the days ahead, as we actively serve. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name.
1: Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth
3: as it
0: is in heaven.
2: Give us this day our
0: daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us, Lead
1: us not, not into temptation, temptation but, but deliver, deliver us, us from evil. evil. For, for thine name is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and, glory, forever and ever. ever. Amen. Our fear in heaven, behalot thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on the year as in heaven. Give us our bread for this incoming day. Forgive us the ranks we have rocked, and we have forgiven the ranks we have dreed. And say us serli, but so us the alien, for the kingdom, the poor, and the glory are lain for Eva and I.
4: Eintad a hoonan a nevoith, sanctadia de enu, dale de dainas, guinella de a welsis, megisana nev, bethiada theya un Diru any ni hevid eint bara a mother any ni Fela maddau hwn nina i'n dyledwyr. Ac nac arwain ni y brobydigaeth, aeth y gwarag ni rhag drwg, caneseith tu yn ogoniant, yn oes oes oes. Amen.
2: already mentioned we have many speakers and many languages. I wonder if you've ever wondered what it might have sounded like on that first Pentecost Sunday. Well we have a different set of languages from the set that is recorded in the scriptures but we are going to hear many voices all together and then one at a time. So those who are going to speak, would you like to come and gather here? I'm going to move out of the way um, and I'll leave you to spread yourselves as you feel comfortable. Okay, so you're going to hear all the voices together as it might have been on Pentecost Sunday and then one of the five. So three, two, one i
3: I'm Okay, and now we're going to hit him one at a time.
4: Zira Khoda be qadri mardom-e jahan ro دوست دارد ke yegan farzand-e khod ra ferestada ast ta har be u iman avard halach nashavad balke zendegi javid biyavad.
0: Lithuanian. Dievas taip pamilo pasaulį, jog atidavę savo vienigmį Sūnų, kad kiekvienas, kuris jį tikė, nepražūtų, bet turėtų amžiną į gyvenimą. Dievas ne savo sūną ausi pasaulį, kad jis pasaulį pasmerktų, bet kad pasaulis és jį būtų išgelbėtas.
3: Hungarian: Mert úgy szerette Isten a világot, hogy egy szülött fiát adta, hogy az, aki hisző benne, elnevezsen, hanem örök élete legyen. Mert az Isten nem azért küldte el a fiút a világba, hogy elitéje a világot hanem hogy üdvözőjön a világ általa
1: nítori olọrun fẹ araye to bẹde ti o fọọmọre kan ki eni kẹni ti o wa gbogbo ma ba bekon. gbọ ṣugbọn ki o le ni yan bẹkun nítori olọrun ko ran ọmọre si le la Finish. Jumala on rakastanut maailmaa niin paljon, että antoi ainoan poikansa, jotta ei yksikään, joka hänen uskoo, joutuisi kadotukseen, vaan saisi iän sen elämän. Ei Jumala lähettänyt poikansa maailmasta tuomitsemaan, vaan pelastamaan sen.
0: En effet, Dieu a tant aimé le monde qu'il a donné son fils unique afin que celui quiconque Crois en lui, ne périsse mais est la vie éternelle. Dieu, en effet, n'a pas envoyé son Fils dans le monde pour juger le monde, mais pour que le monde soit sauvé par lui.
4: De tal manera amó Dios al mundo, porque de tal manera amó Dios al mundo que ha dado su Hijo unigénito para que todo aquel que en él cree no se pueda más tenga vida eterna. Porque no envió Dios a su Hijo al mundo para condenar al mundo, vino para el mundo sea salvo por él.
1: Kiswahilei. Mana Mungu aliupenda ulimwengu hivi hata akamtoa mwanawake wa pekee ili kila amnimee asipote, bali awe na uzima wamilele. milele. Mungu hakumtuma mwanae ulimwengu, ili auhukumu ulimwengu bali au kumboe ulimwengu.
4: Norwegian. Och så so har Gud elsket värden at han gav sin son, en enborn för at varden den som tror ham icke skal gå för taft. Men han är vid För Gud sent icke sinn till värden för att döma världen, men för at värden skulle bli frälst för han.
2: Thanks everybody.
0: First reading today
2: is from Joel chapter 2 starting at verse 28 and it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. even on the male and female servants in those days will I pour out my spirit
1: And the day of Pentecost came all the believers were gathered together in one place. Suddenly, there was a noise from the sky which sounded like a strong wind blowing, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then they saw what looked like tongues of fire, which spread out and touched each person there. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to talk in other languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. There were Jews living in Jerusalem, religious people, who had come from every country in the world. When they heard this noise, a large crowd gathered. They were all excited because all of them heard the believers talking in their own languages. In amazement and wonder, they exclaimed, these people who are talking like this are Galileans. How is it then? That all of us hear them speaking in our own native languages. We are from Parthia, Media, and Elam, from Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, from Pontus and Asia, from Phrygia and Pamphylia, from Egypt and the regions of Libya near Cyrene. Some of us are from Rome, both Jews and Gentiles converted to Judaism, and some of us are from Crete and Arabia. And yet all of us hear them speaking in our own languages about the great things that God has done. Amazed and confused, they kept asking each other, what does this mean?
2: weekend like no other. The streets were full of happy revellers gathered in one place from all across the known world, come to share in this once-in-a-lifetime moment, able to say, I was there. Shavuot, the Jewish festival which was primarily a celebration of harvest as people brought the first fruits of their fields as an offering to the temple. Sometimes referred to as the Feast of Weeks, or by the Greek name, Pentecost, which simply means 50th, it took place seven weeks after Pesach, which we call Passover. It was a joyful festival, full of rich food and celebration, recalling God's goodness. It was also a festival that is sometimes called Atzeret, meaning completion, which recalled the giving of the Torah, centred on God's words spoken to Moses on Sinai and recorded for future generations. The work of the Exodus was deemed to be completed in the reception of the law. And to be fair, only really after the destruction of the second temple did this second festival become more significant. But at the time that we're reading about in Acts, both of these things would have been recognised and celebrated together. If we open our Bibles at the first page and start to read what's recorded there, the first of the creation myths speaks very important truths to us that above the primordial chaos, God's spirit hovered, and that God's first recorded act was to speak, to use language. The connection between God's spirit, personified in some parts of scripture as Sophia or wisdom, and the gift of words, and perhaps especially specifically Christ, the Logos, or word of God, exists before all else. So clearly language is vital, both in its meaning of essential and of giving life. It's a vital gift to humankind. Very often at Pentecost, there are two Bible readings that get brought together the story of the Tower of Babel from Genesis chapter 11 and the story of Pentecost from Acts 2. And for most of my life in churches of all different theological hues and traditions, the received wisdom has been that Pentecost is somehow a reversal of Babel, that the multiplicity of languages is a result of divine displeasure, a punishment if you like, And that Pentecost undoes that. Except that doesn't actually fit the story. Because Pentecost doesn't result in all the believers speaking a single common language. And that that thereafter becoming the only permissible language of the church. Despite the fact that perhaps through until medieval times the amount of Latin might have led you to think that was the case. What happened at Pentecost is that those who were present were able to understand what was said in a whole variety of languages, including, for example, Latin, Greek, Arabic, Egyptian and Aramaic, just to name those are readily identifiable. I don't really know what languages all these ancient peoples spoke, but certainly those were among them. The diversity of language is not lost, it's not taken away. Rather, in a joyful polyphony, the shared message is expressed in every tongue imaginable. That's what I tried to do this morning when we had John 3, 16 and 17, the, probably the most well-known New Testament verses there are, read simultaneously in several different contemporary languages. If Pentecost in some way undoes Babel it doesn't do it by creating uniformity. Recently, I came across a different way of reading Genesis 11 that approaches the story in a less familiar and I think more positive way. Recognising the nature and purpose of ancient myths to try to understand and explain what is seen around them Scholars and preachers asked themselves, well, why did ancient people tell this story? And they deduce that what happened most likely was that people noticed there was a whole variety of dialects and languages and the implications of that, that not everybody did understand each other. So so they tried to understand and think, well, what might it be like if everybody spoke the same language then? Imagine if uniformity was the norm imagine if everybody looked alike and spoke alike and thought alike how might that play out well the answer is not good self-sufficiency on one hand we don't need god we don't need anybody other than ourselves and bland uniformity on the other borrowing or at least echoing language from Genesis one, the same God who said, let us make humankind in our image, now says, let us go down and mix up their languages. Some scholars would say that what this tells us is that for humankind to truly flourish, to truly express the image of God, who is diversity in unity, then diversity of language is not punishment, but a creative act that opens up new potential. don't know if you noticed this morning, some of those readings in different languages took slightly longer and shorter than others. And the one other language that I understand, the French, I spotted things I don't hear in the English. It, this diversity is enriching. So for me, at least, the account of Pentecost makes more sense if diversity of languages, something we see as good, as in keeping with God's desire or God's intent. We've got quite a well established practice of hearing other languages in worship, and, and I'm really glad that we do. But I think that echoes just a little bit of that divine creativity that enjoys and affirms diversity rather than is afraid of it or trying to eliminate it. But at the same time, perhaps it is a bit counterintuitive. Wouldn't life be much easier? if everybody spoke the same language, if there was no need for translation or interpretation. I did a little bit of research this week to see which are the languages with the highest numbers of speakers. And it depends how you count which ones are the highest and lowest, but based on native speakers, people for whom this is the first language or the most natural language for them to use, Mandarin Chinese at around 1.1 billion, is the most widely spoken, followed by Spanish at around about 470 million, and then English at 370 million. If you take into account that a lot of people actually use two languages quite normally and naturally, English then takes over the top place with 1.3 billion, Mandarin Chinese at 1.2 billion, and Spanish kind of disappears quite a long way down the list. Of course, some people will be fluent in both Mandarin, Chinese and English because those are two languages that um, a lot of Chinese people will know. But what really struck me, the population of Earth is currently around 7.8 billion. So these two languages, Mandarin, Chinese and English, if I simply add those together and don't allow for there to be any overlap... That's around about one in three humans that speak one or other of those languages. Two thirds of people on this planet don't know a word of English, don't know a word of Mandarin Chinese, and yet they got on perfectly fine, as far as I can tell. The estimates vary, but apparently there are something like 7,000 recorded languages currently in use. Quite what that means depends on how you define language. Some include dialects and variations, some don't, but around about 7,000 languages. Some researchers think that number's increasing. Some think it's decreasing. Some think it's around about stable. But they all recognise that some languages will come and some languages will go over type. One of the websites I looked at put very succinctly something that I was trying to word myself, but I think they did it better. They said this. Languages are dynamic and living. With modernisation, a third of them risk extinction. Many factors, such as the spread of old civilisations, terrain and cultural history, determine the number of languages spoken in a particular region. I believe that in Nigeria there are something like 750 languages in use. We heard one of those this morning. One nation, 750 languages, that's worth a a ponder. So why am I saying all this? What's it got to do with anything? The power and potential of language is enormous, both to create and to destroy, to liberate or to control, to include or to exclude. It's certainly the case that words are slippery. Their meanings change over time and between contexts. The desire to tie down and fix language, even if that is well-intentioned, well, it's like trying to nail jelly. Or is it jam? Or maybe it's marmalade to the wall. You just can't do it. What we can do is to be alert to how language is being used and ask ourselves, how does that fit with our understanding of God, a God who delights in diversity? How do the words and phrases that we use shape our thinking and that of our community? What does a visitor learn about us and about God from the language of our hymns and our prayers? or the throwaway remarks that we make. When I first came to Hillhead, I would invite people to stand if you are able to sing hymns. I didn't think anything of it. I'd already been doing that for a decade before I came here. It was one of the things we were taught at college. But at the time, it was sufficiently unusual in this context Broad context, I don't just mean our church context, but it's broad context, that it drew comment, positive, I would have to say. In a wider Baptist context, it has taken at least another decade, and some of us are still nagging and reminding organisers of big events for this small change to bed in and be adopted. But it's really important. It's a language that recognises that not everybody can stand. Not everybody wishes to stand, and certainly everybody not, should not be, as we are very often are at bigger events, told to stand. Stand and sing. So I just go, nah. I do stand afterwards, but I have my little moment. What is the language that helps, encourages, and affirms, and what diminishes, demeans, or excludes other people? When we started worshipping on Zoom, I slipped completely unthinkingly into the language that was generally around at the time of talking about virtual church. I knew what the intention was, and it was really quick, and it was easy as a shorthand. The problem was that very soon, in a broader context, that started to be seen as second rate, as temporary until we can do real church, church. And that troubled me because it wasn't temporary and we thought we can do real church, church. It was real church. And so I stopped using that word virtual and went back to just saying church. And now as we move into hybrid church, I find my language antennae are really twitchy. Digital church actually predates the pandemic. And it was an innovation, mainly of those who were unable to attend churches in buildings because of physical disability or mental health considerations or other personal circumstances. And actually, for a long time, they used to live all in typing and writing on Twitter. There was a church that existed on Twitter that just typed stuff up. They're the true pioneers. And so I try to learn from them about what is more or less helpful language. Recently, I was at an event, and you can probably work out which one it was, where a person walked onto the stage and said, I'd like to welcome those here in person and those watching online. Twitch, 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 went my antennae. It offended me on many levels. It offended me because language is a gift and because language matters. But it offended me because both digital and hybrid congregations meet in person because the participants are connected in real time via a platform like zoom or in some cases perhaps before this by twitter but actually there is a degree of live participation we're not just watching the folks that we see on the screen and us that they see that people online see on their screens we're not not here We're all here, aren't we? Can we wave at each other? Prove that we're all here, we're all live, we're all genuinely in person in the moment. It's important to get the language right. Now, to be fair, at that event, I did complain, and I complained via Twitter, and I got a reply within minutes apologising, and that was brilliant. And at the next session, the same person stood up on the stage and said, I'd like to extend a welcome to those in the building and those online. Small change, massive difference. We, Hillhead Baptist Church, are part of an exciting work of God's spirit that recognises that cyberspace and its interface with physical place is valid. Just take a moment to take that in. A movement of God that recognises that cyberspace and physical place and their interaction is valid. That blows my mind anyway. We're part of an evolving language and we're invited by God to help shape that. And that is why we use, and I will choose, the language of on-site and online, or on Zoom and in the room, both to celebrate the diversity but also to reflect the reality. We do not always get it right. People do say in person when they mean on site. It's okay. We have to be kind and gracious with each other, but we also have to try to keep each other on track. So if I get it wrong, when I get it wrong, please tell me, and I'll apologize and, and try and do better. And maybe, just maybe, I might pick people up if I think we just need a little tweak here and there. On the day of Pentecost, when a huge crowd of people heard the disciples speaking in their own language, something began to stir in them. Peter, who was at that time the leader of the church, lived a powerful sermon that included a quotation from the book of Joel, which Beth read for us just a little while back. It was radical then, and it's no less radical now. The gift of God's spirit is for all people, not just those who studied theology, not just those who have been ordained as priests or ministers or rabbis or whatever, for everyone. Those who are old and those who are young, those who dream dreams, those who see visions, Those who will use their gift of language, the words of their culture and their community, of their homeland and their time and their technology to speak good news that includes, encourages, builds up and welcomes. We've been so blessed today to hear scripture and prayer in many languages, to sing together in tongues that are not our everyday language. I really hope it's felt good. I really hope it's given us a sense of life and to celebrate just a bit of the diversity of God's creativity. A very long time ago, in the 1980s, so I was in my early 20s at the time, I attended a Christian Easter house party in, in Sweden for, for young leaders in youth organisations. And whilst I was there, we learned to hymn Firstly in Swedish, which I have long since forgotten, and then in a language that was called at the time, South African. No such language as South African, but that's what it was called at the time. It would be quite a few more years before this same song found its way into the repertoire of English-speaking churches. But it's just another wonderful example of how languages combine to enhance our worship. And it's got a great message. Si Ha Benku Kanyemi kweenkos. we are marching in the light of God.)
4: Let us pray. Almighty God, on this Pentecost Sunday, we thank you for sending your Son Jesus. He testified that the Spirit of God was upon him as he preached the good news of your kingdom to the poor and needy. That same Spirit was sent among us at Pentecost, and we pray that the fruits of the Holy Spirit will be seen in our actions. As we strive to make a difference in this world, we pray that kindness and compassion will be shown to the homeless and refugees, goodness and gentleness to children and the elderly, love and peace to all caught up in wars, self control to all in authority. May we all display patience where there is difference in opinions. We thank you for the joy and faithfulness that Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth has displayed throughout her long reign, not just in her duty as Queen of the United Kingdom, but in her real faith as a Christian. In our fellowship this week, we remember the Sunday School Bible Class and Creche, Jeff and Carol, Caris, Fiona and Donnie, Barbara and Ken, Edith F., Essan and Annis, Paul F., and Lily. This week we remember Beatrice Anderson, Finance Administrator at the Baptist Union of Scotland, and the churches at Erskine Baptist Church, Falkirk, and Forest. We pray that your Holy Spirit will equip and inspire these churches how to best serve their communities. We give thanks to God for a BMS evangelist who plants churches in rural Bangladesh. Some of the villages where he preaches are so remote, they can only be accessed by bicycle. We pray that he will be able to reach these isolated places. Thank you for the faithfulness of the BMS worker and his family. Who have devoted their lives and abilities to help build healthy communities in Afghanistan. We ask for God's protection and guidance on them as they build relationships with the hope of sharing Christ's love. We praise God for the growth of BMS partner organization, the Thai Karen Baptist Convention. We pray they would find innovative ways to present the gospel to those who are vulnerable to trafficking and also for the women's ministry led by Norwa, who's supported by BMS. We pray for peace as she leads a gospel campaign to bring life and hope to women in Thailand. In India, Oni is supported by BMS. By God's grace, he has trained 500 church planters, and we pray that God will open more doors for others to hear the gospel. We give thanks for the action team in France and for the difference that they have made. And we pray that the community they served in will continue to see the fruit of this work. In Nepal, BMS worker Annie Brown leads a Bible study helping people explore what it means to follow Jesus. And we pray that people will encounter Jesus through her hospitality and sharing of God's word. We bring all these prayers in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen.
2: In the beginning, when all that existed was chaos, God spoke a word and order began to emerge. In the beginning, when uniformity stifled creativity, God gave the gift of diverse languages. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God's word became a human being and spoke using the language of one place and one time. Then, the spirit came on ordinary humans, enabling those in one place and one time to understand other languages. Ordinary humans shared the story to generation after generation, imperfectly, hesitantly, yet faithfully and earnestly. Now we gather, online and on site, in a room and on Zoom, diverse in experience and united in Christ, to celebrate, commemorate and anticipate. When Jesus' followers met, they would retell the story as they ate and drank to ensure that it would never be lost or forgotten. And they recorded it for future generations.
0: The Apostle Paul wrote, I received from the Lord what I also handed unto you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you, You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes.
2: Thank you, God, for the many different gifts with which you bless us. From the simple to the spectacular, the ordinary to the special. We thank you for the food and drink that we will share, wherever we are. We thank you for the special way that this simple act connects us with each other and with countless others in all places and times. Help us as we share to find new strength to follow Jesus in the days ahead. Amen. Jesus took the bread, gave thanks, broke it and shared it with his friends. And we are his friends, so let's eat together in fellowship and thanksgiving. At the end of the meal, Jesus took a cup of wine, prayed a prayer and shared it with his friends. Saying this is the seal and sign of the covenant completed in my blood, in my life if you like, because blood was believed to contain the life. So let us share in thanksgiving and in the promise of God's new life. Your human life and death we commemorate. Your defeat of sin and death we celebrate. The fulfilment of your new creation we anticipate. Glory to you, word of God, Jesus the Christ. Amen. i'd known katrina i'd have got you to live contour that one Mm -hmm. as we go from here so we pray spirit of god fill us with your life breath freeing us to live as co-creators of shalom word of god teach us to speak your eternal language of faith hope and love eternal god Transform us with holy joy that overflows in lives that draw others to you, now and always. Amen.